So I'm Jethro, uh, and uh, um, unless you're new here, I've probably greeted you at the door or out in the parking lot someplace or something like that, and, and I've probably asked you your name four or five times, <laughs> and, I, and I apologize for that. You really do deserve better than that. But, but yeah, that's, that's who I am. I'm the greeter guy mostly, and uh, anyway, uh, I'm just a layman. I'm just a layman, and, and uh, there's no pa I was going to say there's no pastors here, but we have one here. <laughs> and, and, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, so I guess I didn't have to be careful. I was just going to say, <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, uh, we're just free to be us today. And that's what I want to come from today. I want to come from a position of usness, okay? I'm not preaching to, to you. I'm preaching to us. I'm, I'm preaching to me. So, um uh, when God gave me a word that I want to share with you today, uh, I don't—I didn't think of it as a Christmas message, but it really is. So I'm going to start with a Christmas verse, and it's from Matthew 1:23, and it says, "The virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they'll name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us." Exactly, and uh, God has always longed to dwell and hang out with us, with us as people. Right, And since we couldn't fulfill our part of the bargain, God the Father sent his son Jesus to fulfill it. So, so by design, there's, a, there's this God-shaped hole in each one of us. And, 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 and uh, you can't fill it. Everybody tries to fill it with something. You try to fill that hole with something. But it's ne you'll never get it filled until you fill it with Jesus. It'll never mean anything to you. So... Uh, And when he does, when he does fill it, it's, it's, well, how many of you got an advent calendar going? <laughs> Count the, there we go, hey. So, uh, yeah, uh, the thing about advent is, with, with, for me, is that advent doesn't just happen, up, but advent happens all year long. Advent, advent goes on forever and ever into eternity. So let's take, uh, I want to share, I want to just share a, a manual moment, uh, you know, a, a God with us moment uh, that I had in the Word. That'd be okay. <laughs> okay, so let's take out our Bibles or your whatever, <laughs> and uh, let's begin reading with from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter thirteen, and verse twenty-two. So Luke, uh, it's up on the screen. Yeah, Luke. How about those? How about this? I mean, uh, thanks, Charles. It, Charles worked hard on this, and this, this is beautiful, I think. It did a great job, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. Sometimes we don't thank the people that, you know, we have people here that do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, Charles and Peter and the people, Rick and, and, the, and uh, Felicity and the people that first serve here besides the teachers and stuff. I just want to thank everybody. It's just a, it's just a really, this is the church. <laughs> yeah. So Luke 13, 22 says, He went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, Are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. 
Then you'll stand outside and you'll knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. He'll answer you. I don't know you or where you're from. Then you'll say, we ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. But he'll say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you evildoers. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place when you see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, to share the banquet in the kingdom of God. Note this. Some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. Let's pray over the word. Lord, I just do, I, I pray that your word would, would just reach, would just plant a seed deep, deep in our hearts today, God, and that would, that seed would bear fruit, and that whoever hears this word this morning would be forever changed. Your word has, has a power to do that, and so we, we release that word over the congregation right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, have you ever been reading your Bible and, and uh, you know, I don't know if it ever happened to you, but, but have you ever been reading your Bible and Jesus just jumped off the page and he's like standing right there in front of you, you know? You know, you're in the story, you're in the crowd, he's talking and you're looking at him and pretty soon his, his eyes meet you and you know he's speaking to you. And uh, this is what happened to me. Um, so in verse 22 he says he went through one town and village after another teaching and making his way to Jerusalem now we know we can look back and we know what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem right yeah but that's why he came that's why he came he came to show us the father he came to die for our sins to, raise, to be raised from the dead, and then to go back to the Father and send us the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. <laughs> so Jesus' mission in life was to go to Jerusalem. When he died on the cross, he cried out, It is finished. But God the Father never said to Jesus the Son, Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is, you know, <laughs> No, when Jesus came, he was always making his way to Jerusalem to die for our sins so that he could rise from the dead and ascend to the Father. So for us, then, we have to ask ourselves, what are we making our, our way to? What, what, are, what or where are we making our, our way to? <laughs> uh, it's the question of the ages. It's who am I? Where am I going? What's the meaning of life? So in the next verse, Luke 13, 22, 23, I'm sorry, this guy just pops up out of the crowd and he says, Jesus, are only a few going to be saved? <laughs> and I don't, know what pro I don't know what prompted this guy to do that. He, uh, uh, I know that, that at that time they were under the, under the tyrannical rule of Rome and that... Uh, um, he was probably like everybody else. He was probably looking for some kind of a militant Messiah. He had no idea that Jesus was going to come and pay for the sins of the whole world. 
So anyway, uh, my knee-jerk reaction would be, you fool, <laughs> you fool, don't you remember God's promise to Abraham in Genesis twenty-two seventeen, where he says, I will indeed make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. You know, and then, and then in chapter 19 in the book of Revelation, the apostle John writes, I heard a vast multitude in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation, glory, and power belong to our God. So to me, that sounds like lots of people are going to be saved. But I want to make a disclaimer. I don't think that everybody, everybody's going to heaven in a little rowboat. In fact, chapter 20 in, verse, in the book of Revelation says that, says that the cowards and the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will be in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, which is the second death. Sounds like a pretty big group to me, and it sounds pretty, pretty serious. I don't think I want anything to do with that. So... Um, Let's take a, I want, I want to take a look at, at uh, the word that we translate save. It's sozo in Greek. It means, it means to be saved from the penalties of the messianic judgment. But it also means to keep one safe and sound, to, keep, to save a suffering one from perishing, from disease, to make well, to restore, to health. To heal. Matthew one twenty one says, She will give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus, because he will sozo people from their sins. Merry Christmas. Isn't that cool? I mean this is this is the this is the word. The word says he will. Now you know the will of God. He's not willing that any should perish, face the penalty of messianic judgment. He's not willing for that to happen to us. But, but his will also includes, includes that we would be saved from disease, healed, and restored to health. And he just wants us to have a healthy relationship with him. He wants us to have that abundant life, life to the full. And it answers all the questions of life. Who am I? Where am I going? What's the meaning of life? So I can just imagine when this guy asks, are only a few going to be people going to be saved? That Jesus would answer, you know, not if I can help it, you know. And, and Jesus said he never lost any, did he? Except the son of perdition. But that isn't the way he responds here. He responds in Luke 13, 24. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Jesus never fits into our little box, does he? I want to listen. I want to quote a gentleman named Skip Moen. He says, God does not come to us in nicely defined, rationally explained thought categories. God does not fit himself into our theological textbooks. He breaks all the rules. He's near, he's near yet transcendent, clothed in human form, yet holy, more terrifying than can be imagined, yet compassionate. Invisible, yet revealed. Judging, yet merciful. Sovereign, yet humble. No matter where you look, Jesus breaks the mold. Jesus doesn't even answer this guy directly. 
that's because his whole question is framed wrong. It's the same question the whole crowd has. It's the same question we all have. The text doesn't say he said to him, but he said to them. He says, make every effort to enter by the narrow door because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Lord, and then they, they were saying, Lord, open up for us. And he'll answer, I don't know you or where you're from. Then you'll say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he'll say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, you evildoers. I'm telling you, it amazes me how many times I've read this little portion of Scripture, and I never really got it. I, I mean, I, I, I always thought that, I, I, that meant that I, I got to get my act together. You know, I really got to get my act together. I, I better start, quit doing things on my own power and do it in the power of Jesus. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I need to obey him, and I need to get sanctified, you know. But it's been, you know, it's been months since I read this, read this scripture, really. Uh, it's been months ago that I read this, but, I, but when, I got, when I read it, I couldn't get it out of my head. I, can't, I couldn't wrestle this thing, and it just didn't, it just didn't, uh, I read it different. <laughs> uh, so I've been making every effort to enter by the narrow door. <laughs> And this is the Apostle Paul. He encourages us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling in Philippians 2.12. But what does that mean, to work out our, our salvation with fear and trembling? Acts 4.12 tells us that salvation is found in no one else, and there's no other name. Right? But there's nothing I can do to make my salvation more secure than to simply believe in Jesus Christ. Believe the Scriptures are true. The Scriptures are true. So, uh, and then speaking of the workout, I don't know, are they here today? I didn't see uh, the Fosters. Are they here today? <laughs> oh, okay. You're hiding out of there. Yeah, I just want to put in a, a plug for Frog <laughs> Fitness. Uh, is that okay, Ryan? <laughs> uh, check it out. It's a great place, and, and Ryan's doing a great job down there. But I, but the, the thing that stands out me, for me about Frog Fitness is, is the name. It stands for Fully Reliant on God. Amen. To me... That's a workout. So the one, the word, the word "believe" in the Greek is pistio. I think I'm pronouncing these words right. <laughs> I'm working on it, which means to be committed to or to entrust oneself to something. In this case, it's Jesus. So we work out with Jesus, right? And and we uh, uh, we we're committed. We're committed to him. So how do we commit to somebody that we don't even know? I love, I love uh, some of you, a lot of you know Pastor Rory Llewellyn, used to pastor here. I love his, his, love his definition of salvation. He says it means that Jesus and I know each other really well. I mean, you can't, you can't put it any better, I don't think. <clears throat> And I believe that the workout that Paul is talking about is unpacked in the word belief or pastille. pastille. <laughs> See, in the passage before us, Jesus is, tell, is more or less telling us that we can take communion, we can study God's word, and, and not really know Jesus. Or in this case, 
even worse, he might not know us. Maybe it scares the heck out of us that Jesus would really know us. You know, if he really knew me, I don't think he'd really like me, would he? But he does. He does, and he loves us anyway. It blows my mind. I want to recommend a book to you. Uh, it's called Beholding uh, by Strahan Coleman. And uh, I just want to give you a quote from that book. Uh, it's, it, this book has kind of rocked my world. It set me back and got, got me to thinking different things, going about things differently. Anyway, uh, he writes, Christ is a person long before he's an ideology or a movement. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but, I, but it suffice to say it's brought me to a point of worship that I've never experienced before. I'm beginning to understand what it really means to, 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 uh, to know Jesus for who he is rather than what he can do for me, you know. To quote the author, it's us gazing at God, gazing back at us. So let's make it personal. What does it mean to hang out with Jesus, and why should we want to? I don't think it's impossible to answer those three questions. Who am I? Where am I going? What's the meaning of life? Unless until we make the decision that we're going we're gonna to hang out with Jesus no matter what kind of curveball life throws at us. So why should we want to? First of all, to get those three answers, those three questions answered. And then second, because the cost of not hanging out with him might be a little bit higher than we, than we really want to pay. You know, remember that group in Revelation 20 that we talked about? We don't want to be in that group. And then because of Soto, we're saved from the Messianic judgment. Acts 4, 11 through 12 says, this Jesus is the stone Rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There's salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to people which, by which we must be saved. And that word soto also means, in, in Psalms it says, I think it means <laughs> he brought us out into a broad place. I think that's, you know, he, he has, he's enlarged our world. He's given us authority over a lot of things that we have never taken authority over. The beautiful thing about the Hebrew language is that it's full of pictures, word pictures. One of the, one of the Hebrew words for, for uh, spirit is ruach, or breath. It's ruach. And the Greek word is, is uh, pneuma. So, yeah, look at this picture on behind me. This picture is, is Cheryl and I love to go to the ocean, and we love to watch the waves come in and hit the rocks. You know, there's so much power, and there's one, one wave, and another wave, and another wave, and another wave. So Jesus, he didn't, he didn't uh, only breathe life into our bodies. He breathed the spirit into our, into our spirit, and he renewed us. And uh, he, he promised, Jesus promised in John 14, I'm going to send you the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to stay with you, and he's going to actually be in you. That promise is for us today. So let's get practical. Now, now the what or how, how do I go about hanging out with Jesus? 
First, we, first we've got to understand what hanging out is, isn't. Okay, uh, hang, hanging out isn't just attending church on Sunday, although we need to be doing that. We need each other. We need to be coming to church, but that isn't all it's about. I don't understand why, why, why we stay away. I don't understand why we don't come to church, but, but we need each other, and, and whether we realize it or not, we need the church. And, and then uh, hanging out with Jesus isn't conforming to a bunch of rules or legalism. Colossians 2.20 23 says, why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by, use, by being used up. They're human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they're not of any value in, in curbing self-indulgence. It's not even just uh, hanging out with Jesus doesn't mean we're just reading the scriptures. John 5, 39, 40 says, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And yet they testify about me. But you're not willing to come to me so that you can have life. And then hanging out is not just about prayer, attending prayer meetings. We, we uh, prayed here yesterday morning in, this, in, the, in the cafe, and, and it was a great time. It's a great time. Saturday morning prayer is a great time to come and hang out with, with, with Jesus. And, and, uh, and, I, and I think it's, I don't know if we value it enough because this today probably wouldn't happen unless people are praying. But it's, that's not all it is. It's more than that. It's more than just, just coming to a prayer meeting. It's not listening to a good sermon or reading a good book. There are plenty of them out there that will feed, feed your confirmation bias, I can tell you that. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff on the Internet that's going to, whatever you want whatever you want to hear, you can, you can get it. But there's a lot of good stuff out there, too, and a lot of stuff that's going to feed our souls and a lot of stuff, stuff that's going to feed our spirits. There's a lot of good books that are written. And, but uh, then in, those things in and of themselves are never going to work for us. And it's not... Just giving people a lot of biblical facts and theological arguments <laughs> is it you know you know we 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 tend to want to do that we want to we want to impress somebody or we want we think we can change somebody's mind by just giving them a whole bunch of scripture or something but it's more than that and it's not just healing people or casting out demons as important as those things are Jesus' mandate he gives us this mandate as disciples from mark sixteen 17 through 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes. If they drink anything deadly, it won't harm them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll get well. It's all good stuff, but they can't teach us. They can't, they can't give us that, that personal time, that that thing of knowing Jesus, hanging out with Jesus. All they do is teach us about him. Unless we have unless we actually hang out with Jesus. Uh Blake uh this isn't in my notes, but Blake uh talked about David killing the lion and killing the bear before he slew Goliath. So it's the time that we spend before the count that actually causes the spirit to well up in us. 
Phyllis. Uh, I just want to tell you some time ago about, there was a guy, a self-proclaimed prophet in, uh, in Moses Lake that had a, uh, came in and, and there was a movement of, movement of God happening there. And, and uh, there were people getting healed. Uh, people were getting delivered. People were getting saved. People, you know, it was a Pentecostal thing, and I love Pentecostal stuff. This is why I come here. But, but uh, when I went, I decided I go go check it out, you know, because it was a lot of rumors going. A lot of it was it was getting pretty famous. So I so I decided to go check it out, and and I did. And when I went, I just had this check in my spirit, and I don't know why. But but when I went, there was a pastor from. Uh, from Soap Lake, a little church in Soap Lake, who uh, actually was the, the pastor for uh, Birthright before it became Crossroads back in the day. My wife was a volunteer there, and that's how I got to know him. And, or she was a she's a counselor there, but uh, I uh, got to know him through that. Anyway, this guy, uh, I turned to him and I said, I, "There's something wrong here. I just don't know what it is." And he he told me he said, "You know what it is." It's a spirit of arrogance. The, the sacrifices of God are a contrite heart and a broken spirit, you know? And, and that's it. You know, that arrogance, humility, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I don't ever want to be part of a man-made revival. We all want revival, but, but revival begins right here. It begins right here in, in our hearts. You know, that scripture from, from uh, Colossians, or not Colossians, I'm sorry, Chronicles, is, is, is for the nation of God. It's not for the United States. It's for the nation of God. If my people will humble themselves, if they'll, if they'll repent, if they will... If they will uh, Seek my face exactly. Then I'll then I'll hear from heaven and and I'll heal their land. I, don't, um, I believe that if we uh, really want to hang out with Jesus, we got to believe in Him first of all. We got to believe in Him, uh, and then that's the first. That's one of the answers in your handouts. And I, I want to say something while I'm on the, on there about the handouts. I put a bunch of scriptures at the bottom, just in parentheses there, and I just. I want you to look them up and, and mull them over. I want you to be Bereans because I don't, you know, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a guy. And uh, you need to check it out for yourselves. You need to check out these scriptures. And, and you need to, to uh, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm doing it right. And I'm, I'm not afraid for you to come and tell me that I took something out of context. Okay? I'm not above that. So, so if you need to, you know, if I need to hear that, I want to hear it from you. God forgive me if I have. So, first of all, I think we need to, to believe in him. We need to trust in him as, as our Lord and Savior. And, and so I, I think I'd just like to take a minute, and I'd like to ask if there's anybody here that, that has never done that, that has never taken the time or taken the opportunity to just say, Jesus, I, wanna, I believe you. I believe you. I trust you. 
I bestow you. <laughs> I commit to you. Not just that I believe that you're a guy or you existed or anything like that, but I want to commit to you. I believe you. I want to trust you for eternal life. I want to trust you for healing. I want to trust you for full, abundant life. If I want, is there anybody here that would like to do that? I'm not, I'm not going to try to embarrass you or anything, but if you'd raise your hand, then I'll pray for you. And, and even if you don't, <laughs> I want you to know you can make that decision right now. You can make that decision anytime. Right now is the best time to make it because now is the time. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the time. If you, if you need to make that decision, do it now. Lord, I just pray for people who are making that decision right now in their hearts, God. I just pray that you would set them free from their unbelief. God, that you would take that spirit of unbelief and cast it into the sea. And God, that you would, you would give them a, a spirit that they would know in their heart that you love them and you have saved them. The second thing we need to do to hang out with Jesus is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. According to Ephesians 5.18, it's a command. Uh, so I want to tell you a story. I have a friend who is a devout atheist. His father, I'm sorry, he wasn't. His father was a, a devout atheist, and he taught him. He grew up with this, in his home, and his dad taught him, there's no God. There is no God. All you are is just a, just a lump of clay, and you're just going to perish someday. So anyway, long story, my friend lived all this time without that and through a, a set of, of circumstances that I can't go into them right now, but uh, God brought him to a place. He, he went out on his own, and he, and he, walked, he said he, he told me he was, he was up on the edge of this cliff. This really moves me. I'm sorry. Uh, but he, but he, he said he, was, he wasn't com contemplating suicide. He just said he was uh, looking over the cliff, and, and the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, he didn't know it was Holy Spirit. The wind came. This wind came up and blew him back, and he sat right on his backside on the seat of his pants, he said. And he just he realized that there was a God. Of course, it was really emotional. He's crying and everything. And then, then he, uh, that Sunday, he decides to go to church with his wife and family. And and uh, and uh, uh, the preacher, I guess, was preaching a salvation message. And he, he was, and he, and he realized at that moment that Jesus is real. And uh, and the door, right at that moment, when the pastor was asking, I think for people to commit their lives to Jesus, he said, the doors of the sanctuary blew open. <laughs> you know, and, and he just started at that point, he just said he's, he lost it. He started crying, and, and he couldn't control himself. And uh, so later on, he met this guy in, in the cafeteria, or whatever they had there, wherever they were doing coffee. And this guy was an older gentleman, probably my age or older, and the guy looked at him. He didn't know him. He didn't know anything. He said, he looked at him and said, what's the matter, man? He said, you look like something's, you know, is something wrong? You know, of course, the guy said, and, and he said, and he, my friend just looked at him and said, 
I think today is my day. And I, I, wanna, I want us to know that. Today is our day. And the Spirit quickens that in our hearts. So we need, to, we need to get saved. We need to believe in Him. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to spend time in the Word, number three. We need to meditate on it. We need to wrestle with it. Um, I, I said just earlier that just spending time in the Word isn't going to make you, make, isn't going to, uh, isn't going to uh, um, help you to hang out with Jesus. Forget the title of my message. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's so important. We can trust this thing. I'm telling you guys, we can trust it. And, and, I, and I, uh, last week, Glenn brought this, brought this up, you know, the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. This, it's so important. We can't spend enough time in the Word of God. We you know, I'm telling you, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it, it's not true. Whatever you hear, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not true. So then we need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in listening in prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17, I, I, he says to pray always, pray always. But I wish we had more time to expound on this subject of prayer, but we don't. But it's, but it's crucial. And we need to uncomplicate it. Like, uh, we can just, we can talk to Jesus anytime we want to. He's a really good listener. And then we need to listen to him. Listen to him. And then we need to fast as Jesus leads us and guides us according to Mark, Mark 9, 29. So I just want to mention uh, in January, our Foursquare leaders are, 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 are organizing a, a denominational fast. So in January, that's coming up, and we don't have all the details yet, and, and Blake will probably go into this more and more as the weeks come, go by, but but we're going to have a time of fasting, and, and I really encourage us, let's do this. Um, number six, we need, to, we need to worship Jesus at all times. The Apostle Paul, Peter, I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter tells us that we're, that we're kingdom priests. The job of a priest is what, to intercede for the people? But first of all, before that, it's to put God on the throne. And, and uh, for that, the best way to do that, I know, is to, to worship with abandon. I don't know. I, I felt like God was probably pleased with our worship this morning. I, I, I felt a real anointing. <laughs> So, and then we need to spend time on the street. That's, that's my version. Uh, you say it in the marketplace, wherever you want to say it. But evangelism doesn't have to be difficult. One of my favorite authors in the whole world is Jerry Cook, and I don't have his book with me, but The Monday Morning Church, he, in that, he, he always just tells us just to relax and be open for business. <laughs> so wherever we go, you know. Uh, I just want to tell you another little story. I don't have time. <laughs> um, 
there's some people that lived in the house next to us, and, and the house was, we, I don't know how to put it kindly, <laughs> uh, but, but it was, uh, it was, they were disrupt, disruptive, and uh, the place was always a mess, and, and the people were loud, and, and I can't go into everything that was going on there, but, but uh, well, I can tell you, tell you a guy died there from an overdose, and, and uh, nobody, nobody seemed to care. Nobody seemed to care, and nobody knew him. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's hard to hard to watch. But anyway, we were, uh, we have grandkids that come over and people come over, and you hear a lot of uh, vulgarity and and different things come, you know, and you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear it. And you don't want to hear. You don't want to want to see things that goes on there. So I was just like, God, move them, move them, get them out of here, you know. I don't want them to be my neighbors. Well, uh, some things happened. I did get some t opportunities. I actually had some opportunities to pray with one or two of them. But uh, another gentleman bought the house, and he's going to flip it. He's in the process right now, and it looks a lot, it looks a lot nicer. But uh, he gave me the opportunity to come in and I, I, to look at his work and Whatnot, and I saw on one of the walls before they had sheetrock on it and painted it and stuff. And I, there, there was this young lady that, that uh, she was really loud, and she was really obnoxious. And I don't know, there's, I, I didn't have the heart of Jesus toward her, <laughs> just didn't. But anyway, and I went into the back room, and I'm sure it was her room, and she had something written up written on the wall it said you don't get to do this to me she had some other things that i don't remember it wasn't they weren't very uh edifying but down at the bottom she said <laughs> i don't know why but she just said i feel so all alone So for me, I was just thinking, what if I would have took time to listen to her? I didn't think this would be as hard. I knew I was going to be nervous, but I didn't know it was going to fall apart like this. One of the, one of the biggest problems in our world is that we, we really do suffer from a, a deep unheardness. We need, to be, we need to be heard, and we need someone to listen. Uh, you know, I, you know we, we, I mostly <laughs> formulate responses when we're talking with somebody. You know, we, while they're still talking, I'm formulating some kind of a, well, I, I, I can give you some advice for that, or I can relate a story, you know, something's happened to me, you know, and, and all they really want is for us to listen. Just listen. So, and number, I said, uh, in order to hang out with Jesus, number eight is to spend time on the couch. People would call it their closet. For me, it's a couch. <laughs> and I've been, with some regularity, <laughs> I can't say I've been religious in this or, you know, I haven't done it consistently. But I have spent some time with Jesus on the couch lately. And uh, I just sit and listen. It ain't easy. We've been so ingrained in our culture. 
They're just sitting in for 60 seconds and emptying our minds before God and listening to him. It's just, it just seems impossible. It's, it's dawning. It's unnatural. But it's worth it. Sometimes I get a word. One, one time I got a word. I'm just sitting there and listening. And God said, and it wasn't an audible voice, but I'm telling you, it was, it was loud in my mind. God said, I'm happy with you. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I know that's true because he said, says he delights over us in the word. And then another word that he got was, that I got was, uh, you're not in this alone, you know. And that's, that's nice to know. <laughs> uh, so what I'd, I'd like to do, you know, sometimes I don't get anything, but, but I'm telling you, it's worth it just to hang out with Jesus in silence and just feel his presence. You don't have to hear anything. So what I'd like to do is just for us to take 60 seconds of just silence before God. Just, can we do that? Can we do that? Let's, can I ask that for me? Okay, so let's take time. Let's, let's breathe in. It's the rumor. So I don't know if that's been 60 seconds or not, but I didn't time us. But uh, you get the idea that it, uh, how many of us were able to even just empty our minds just a little bit? <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard. There's, we're thinking about, I don't know, we're thinking about maybe the football game. I don't know. But we're thinking about the person next to us. We're thinking about what did he just say or, you know, all of this. But just to be able to empty your mind before God. It's hard. I want to, 60 seconds seems like a long time, but I, w- I want to be able to spend, I'd love to be able to spend hours. I'm tr- I'd love to. I don't know if it'll ever happen for me, but I'm, I'd love to have that happen. And I promise that if we hang out with Jesus, we're going to, he's going to be with us through times of suffering, through times of healing, through times of deliverance, and through times of forgiveness and reconciliation. And I want to quickly... <laughs> read a, a scripture from 2 Samuel 7, where David, I'm not going to read it, I guess, I'll just, I'll just summarize it. Uh, David said to, to Nathaniel the prophet, he said, I want to build a house for, the, for, uh, for God. And uh, Nathaniel says, Nathaniel's a prophet, he was, a, he was the prophet at the time, and he, he says, David, he says, David, do whatever's in your heart. You're the man of God, just do whatever's in your heart. Well, well later on, God gets a hold of Nathan, and he says, no. He says, no. He says, I've never dwelt in a house. I've always dwelt in tents, and I kind of like it there, you know? 
He said, no, David, you can't build a house. And then David responds, finally he responds through all of it. He said, Lord God, you've spoken about your servant's house in, this, in the distant future. This is a revelation for mankind. I think we're in a distant future. <laughs> so Jesus, Jesus, not Solomon, is the son of David. He's the temple. He's the temple. Today, he, by the power of his, by the power of his Holy Spirit, lives in us. We're the tents, okay? And that's where, that's, where, that's where the ark of God is, is in our hearts. And he executes his will on the earth today through us. Not this church necessarily, but, but that he's provided for us. But, but not the shepherds, as good as they are. We have great leadership by this church. I'm submitted to them, and I, I trust them fully. And, I, and this church is, is, I mean, just take a look. And they're still in construction, but we're doing, it's looking really good, I think. But... That's, that's not the church. The church is us. Our, our, part of our problem is we believe that that uh, preacher's job is to feed us. We become consumer Christians, haven't we? By that I mean we have bought into the consumer culture, and we're trying to trying to bring it into the church with us. We believe that some prepare up here, and some take what's prepared. What's prepared to, um, and and uh, so so there we're the providers or whoever's up here is the providers and if we're sitting down there we're the consumers and we see the clergy on one hand and the laity on another because of this we don't feel adequate and we we get overcome with fear so fear has its roots in, in a scarcity mentality and there aren't enough. There aren't enough resources for our bills, our well-being, our children, our peace. We don't believe that Jesus has provided us with enough faith to restore, to deliver, etc. And if you live with a mindset of a peasant, this is a quote from Mike Breen. He says, if you live with a mindset of a peasant, you will always feel poor. Scarcity will stalk your life, and fear will be your most familiar bedfellow. But I submit that we get into the habit of regularly meeting with Jesus we won't, we won't allow fear to, to prevent us from sharing the greatest gift this Christmas. We're not, we're not afraid to do that, are we? Hallelujah, let's not be. Okay. So, I'm going to invite Mary to come up. Uh, the most practical way I know to hang out with Jesus and to be sure that he'll hang out with us is through communion. If you didn't get a communion, you get some elements when you came in, some of those little cups, would you raise your hands and the ushers will bring you one? If you're on the internet, and, and I, speaking of the internet, I want to I say hi to Kimmy. <laughs> Kimmy, up there, my friend Kimmy. <laughs> Miss you. Anyway, um, uh, if, if you're home, you can... Grab some juice, some crackers, and you can join us. I believe that the amount of shalom that we experience is directly proportionate to the amount of time that we spend at the table with Jesus Christ. So I want to speak just a little bit about shalom. So, so what is shalom? 
It's not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God. It means a complete and unbroken relationship with Him. We're no longer at war with God. We really need to lean into that. It speaks of wholeness, safety, and completeness. When Jewish people greet one another, shalom, they're saying, may you be full of well-being. May blessing and prosperity be with you. As we uh, partake of the elements, let us remember that communion is a table of friendship, okay? You're kind. <laughs> so, Jesus gave me a verse that we don't normally consider when we take the bread of communion, uh, but this is, for me, is the nugget. It's, it's, I don't know, it just worked on my heart. I want to I read through it slowly, so let's hang on every word. It's from Philippians 7, or 3, 7 through 11. It says, but everything that was gained to me... I've considered to be lost because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So I just want to pray. Father God, show us the power. Show us the power that comes from knowing you. We speak the name of Jesus over poverty, over sickness, over demonic oppression, even death. We speak it over disease. We speak it over uh, cripple, you know, whatever, whatever, lameness, brokenness. Just let it be known today in the heavenlies, in the heavenlies, let it be known that we know Jesus. You don't have to wait till you're 73 years old to know Jesus. Help us to make up our minds right now that we are willing to do whatever it is, whatever it takes, and to submit to Jesus as Lord. Let's uh, partake of his body, or his, yeah, his body. devil comes at us with all of his guilt trips, telling us that we're weak, we're inadequate, we're full of sin and shame. Let's remind him that the blood 
the blood that Jesus shed for our forgiveness and restoration. We're priests and kings with the dominion over the earth that our earthly fathers surrendered at the garden, right? We're kingdom priests over that. Jesus said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the following of sins. I'm sorry. I'm losing it here. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, Jesus, I want to just thank you for setting your God set a high. God set, God had a side. Oh, I'm having. Lord, thank you for setting your God head aside and coming to visit us and coming to be a man, coming to be us. And God, and coming to fill us for changing our sinnerhood into sainthood. Your, your blood doesn't only change our horizon, it changes our lives. It brings us new life. Let's just take... Thank you, and God bless you. Uh, go from here knowing, go from here knowing that you have authority, that you're a child of the King. Go here, go from here knowing that that authority only comes as we submit to Jesus Christ. It, it comes no other way. We have no authority without Him. And I'm, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward, and, and uh, um, I want you to know that these guys are here to pray for you. They're here. Uh, and they're going to trust Jesus. They're going to trust him with everything they got. When they pray, you can be sure that they're going to they're, they're going to trust him. And you can be sure that they're going to be confidential. Anything you share with them, they're not going to go around telling people about it. So if you have anything that you need to be prayed for, would you come forward and 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 and, and receive prayer? And and I want to add to that. You know, you don't have. There's nothing. These guys are, are committed to Jesus, but there's nothing special about them. There's nothing that sets them apart other than the blood of Jesus Christ. If, if you don't, if you're not covered by that, then you're not, then you're not the same. But, but if you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can pray for each other. You have the power to pray for each other and believe for healing. So, so, I'd love for you to come here, and but if you're, you know, if you can't do that, at least get around each other and pray.